Why are you here? Are we gonna live life in fear or are we gonna stand up and make sure we're heard? Are we gonna hide or live life by our word? With integrity we can be all that we can see in our mind's eye until we're finally free. We can become whatever we choose once we know the choice lies within me and you. Hello, hello, my pleasure monkey brothers and sisters, and welcome to the Unapologetically Human podcast with Dan Boyvin. So I recorded this conversation with one of my best friends, one of my favorite human beings in the world, Anushka D'Souza, in August of 2018. And as I've mentioned, with not really making any moves on this podcast before, I let that conversation sit on my computer for the past year and a half. And now I have finally got my butt in gear and again had to have a kick in the pants from my coach (laughs) to finally dig this episode this gem up and do whatever I needed to do to edit it for publishing and I gotta tell you This was just such a treat for me to be able to listen to this conversation again and to relive that moment in time, that beautiful and precious moment that I got to spend and have a a great, deep conversation with a good friend. And it's such a trip to to have a recording like this and to be able to look back on it and listen again and re-experience it. And I am so honored to share this with you, to introduce you to this amazing and powerful woman that I am so grateful to call friend. And this was actually my very first podcast episode that I recorded, even before the comprehensive explanation I released on my birthday a couple months after this. And... This was actually intended to be the very first Unapologetically Human podcast. But, you know, sometimes plans change. And sometimes you just gotta go with the flow. 
So depending on what you are up to right now, I would suggest that if you have the ability to stop what you're doing for a moment and take a seat and close your eyes with us, Anushka guides us at the very beginning of this episode through a intention setting, sort of like a, a quick little guided meditation to set the intentions for the conversation that follows and for the experience within this moment. If not, that's all good too. Don't close your eyes if you're driving. Obviously. <laughs> but without further ado. Because it's very radio like. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. that's Miss what this is. It's yeah. radio. Yeah, totally. Souza on the inaugural Unapologetically Human guest feature conversation. Enjoy. I'll leave that to you. Okay, cool. So if you want to just take a moment, um, let's just ground ourselves into our bodies so we can have your closed, actually. Let's do that. Uh, Centering ourselves. So take a moment. Honoring your breath that's pulsing blood in and through. Honoring your soul that exists within the sacred space within the human body, checking in with your brain, checking in with all the different thoughts that we've had, with all the voices that we've heard, thoughts that we've spoken, scents that we've smelled, things that we've touched, places we've walked, And on your next inhale, feeling the base of our feet as we observe our soul existing within the limits of our body. Integrating our consciousness and our human selves. Setting the intention For this moment. Taking two breaths and breathing that intention into consciousness, into every cell in our body. Just observing. energies that are passing by as you're recalibrating as you're building as you're maintaining your purpose as we're maintaining our purpose 
gently opening your left eye slightly so you can see your eyelashes but not so wide gently opening up your right eye and whenever you're ready open them wide thank you you're welcome that was beautiful thank you <coughs> all right so I recorded that as well. Oh, cool. So see if I can get that in there. <laughs> it's a little quiet, but okay. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. So this is a show about understanding ourselves, each other, and the world, and how we can step into the power of our true selves to give back to others and create everything we want in life. This is Unapologetically Human, and I'm your host, Dan Boyvin. For those who don't know me, I come from a family with a long history of mental health and addiction issues, challenges that I was not fortunate enough to escape. So I've struggled with depression, anxiety, and self-worth issues for most of my life, which turned into poor coping mechanisms to deal with stress and self-medicating with substances to try to numb my pain a reality that I've come to learn far too many of us are all too familiar with. So on the show, we'll talk about mental health and addiction through the lens of my own family history and personal experiences and how that relates to the political and social issues we're seeing and then throw in some of the philosophical questions and science needed to better understand these topics. So... We have a lot of problems with our social and cultural environment that are leading so many people to struggle with their mental health and with addiction issues. So on this show, I'll work to answer the questions, what are those issues and how do we fix them? And I'll let you know who's working on it and I don't have anything else after that. So that's fine. That's cool. Thank you. And now I will introduce you. This is actually super cool, too, because it's like you can like do a part and then be like done. And yeah. be like, aha! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, hey, it's not like forever. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so now I will introduce you. Um, so how should I intro you to the intro? So on the show today, I have my good friend, my dear friend, Anushka D'Souza here. And... Anushka is a poet, an Akashic healer, and meditation integration coach. She's the creative director of Conscious Productions, a multi-sensory, multi-dimensional production company, funneling her gifts into a multi-service enterprise for holistic health, cannabis therapy, and performance. Anushka teaches events, facilitates private coaching, and will soon be selling products. You'll have to tell me what those are. Absolutely. <laughs> Her company's mission is to live thy dreams by any means necessary, thus teaching people how to clear negative trauma, teaching them to integrate meditation to live the life they want by using their internal support system, teaching how to calibrate their breath and body to sync with their manifestations and visions. She also has her YouTube page, Anushka D., Discussing all things life, philosophy, meditation, sex, and money. Welcome. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow, that sounded really beautiful. You have a great, you have a great presence. Thank you. I was just like, wow, did I, did, did I write that? You wrote that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Proud of myself. So yeah, let's uh, kick it off. Tell me a little bit about your company and the products you're going to be selling. Oh, I'm so excited. Yes. So Conscious Productions is a multi-century, like, like you mentioned, and do I do you want me to start with specifically the products or how it kind of came about? Whatever whatever comes to mind, whatever okay. you think. I'll I'll start with how it came about and then I'll move to the products just because in it, the story the, in a, in and of itself to get to how to summarize it in that however many words you've had was a mission was a journey in itself. Okay, yeah. um, I I'm a queen of all trades. I. I love to do many things. I get bored easily. I learn things fast. And um, it was a struggle because people are like, you can't just sit still. And this was, again, something since I was a child. And, you know, usually people tag that as very childlike. You can't sit still. So when you're in, in your adult form and you can't sit still, it's like you're immature. Right. And again, I believe that in the core of me, I was so immature because I, I loved so many different things. And, um, that's like the story of my life. <laughs> right. And yeah, it's, it's a thing that I feel like, like th- this is why this podcast is, is we need to talk about stuff like this. And one of the things was I was just doing so many different things and I was so overwhelmed because my hands were in all these different fields and, and moving forward, I was, people were like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I was like, well, I like this, this, and this. And the one thing that was so that was one, one of the most consistent things in my life was yoga. I was doing it for now eight years and counting. And that was the only thing ever, uh, even aside from money, that's something I was just being so consistent with in my life. I was so dedicated to. And I was like, yo, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to do become a yoga teacher. I'm going to do, do that because it makes sense because I was, you know, people wanted consistency and that's what I was being consistent in. And then I, I had a company that was called Empower Movement and it was, but it was spelt I-N, in power, movement. Right. And um, it was essentially that as well. And um, I was ha- really having an internal struggle with, but what about my poetry? But what about this thing and this thing? And I was just like, wait a minute. I, I came to this revelation that I am a multidimensional being. We all are. And we all have this beautiful vortex energy that can be rechanneled into being uh, a fire thrower, a performer, if you wanted to. And so I finally got myself to realize and and stop thinking within a box that I only had to pick one thing, but it was uh, three pillars. And so for people to follow through and be, um, to be able to understand where I was coming from, I love that I chose these three pillars because they're so vague that when it comes to specifics, there are distinct specifics that can be focused in on. And so that's how Conscious Productions came into being because I had this big revelation. I'm like, I can't just pick one thing. I am all these things. And I found a way to put them together somehow. I sewed them in together and people get it. They get it. It's a multi-sensory production company. It, it's, you know, it's, um, y- you 
there's products. You get to feel certain things. You get to purchase certain things, but you also get to uh, purchase um, an experience. You know, a healing that's on a different that's on a different length, and there's another performance piece as well. So, so with the performance, you said you could become a fire thrower. Do you do that? I do not do that. It's <laughs> okay. funny. I don't know why I brought that up. So what are what are the what's the performance piece in there? Poetry. Right, right. Yes. Of course. Yes. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm a poet. Which she's amazing. I've seen it. Thank I've you. heard it. Thank you. So good. I'm so honored. Yes. And so I didn't want to leave that part behind because I see myself traveling around the world performing my poetry. And um, I also wanted to hold space for other uh, other artists to, to uh, comb and tend to their craft and nur- help nurture their craft as well. And so that's what Conscious Productions is about. And uh, so moving to the products, it's focused uh, on lotions, so natural lotions and cannabis-related products. I have a prototype right now that's in the works, and it's um, it's being built, looking for packaging and things like that. And nice. um, I'm really excited. Can you give any anything? Yeah, away yeah, on I can share a little bit. Yeah, under wraps? <laughs> well, yeah, I can share a little bit. Okay. It's um, it's uh, rose petal blunts wraps oh right you mentioned that before i did yeah it was a rose petal wraps it's um they are in its final stages of doing that and i'm really excited i'm really excited and it's a little, very scary but it's new to me at the same time but i'm ready i'm i'm i've been a cannabis smoker for way before i should have been and it's part of the lifestyle guilty, <laughs> guilty. <laughs> right and it's part of the lifestyle and who better than someone who's been in the lifestyle can aid in creating a product for other people who are in the lifestyle and it makes sense i'm, I'm no more afraid of being and saying that I'm a cannabis smoker, then that's something that I had to work through. Like um, uh, this whole lie that that we lived for so long, I feel so many of us lived this lie of I'm a cannabis smoker, but don't tell anyone. Or maybe it doesn't go outside of my friend circle. Yeah. Because it, it there's the stigmas, there's the regulations, you know, it's obviously it was obviously illegal. And now uh, like undoing that fear, even from my parents, undoing this fear that I'm a bad person because mm-hmm. I'm I'm creating an a, an investment in this in this field that they. Well, it's a perfect time for you to be doing that. I totally agree, <laughs> right? I totally agree, and that they saw for so many years was condoned by the government and, and the state. They're like, "What are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. is this it makes sense?" And I'm like, "To me, it does." So we're going with it. Right. Well, that's what we, that's what people have kind of done forever and why we have so much of the stigmas when it comes to things like drug use. It's Mm -hmm. like so many people at the very least like smoke weed. Right. Other than just the legal cigarettes and alcohol, like weed is not dangerous. It's not nearly as dangerous as alcohol. Like there's all of these things that we could go in like a deep hole about why it's actually illegal and the politics behind that but yeah it's this idea that the education that we got in school as children and because of the laws and the way that these things are talked about in society is that it's like super looked down upon so you don't want to admit to anybody that you essentially are are going to be looked at as like a degenerate because Mm. you smoke pot right come on Right. Give me a break, right? Yeah, and then it carries on with the stigma within the movies and the shows because yeah, that's like what reefer the media... Yeah, like Reefer Madness. Huh? <laughs> reefer Madness was... I have not watched it. 
that was I, I think there may have been an actual movie called Reefer Madness, but that's part of why cannabis was made illegal in the first place was because it was very political to be able to discriminate against blacks and people of color and Mexicans and stuff like that. There were um, there were like newspapers that were run saying that smoking weed gave these like people of color reefer madness and it turned them into like violent physical and sexual abusers mm-hmm. essentially against white women right. that was one of the like key pillars for cannabis getting made illegal and i've heard it i've heard it discussed actually by people like joe rogan joe rogan is amazing talking about yeah, psychedelics and about yeah. things like why cannabis is illegal and hemp was a big part of that because yeah. hemp is such a diverse product mm-hmm. it can make clothing like it can make fibers for clothing paper. for paper it's the seed is one of the most healthy like foods you can eat because Absolutely. most um most foods and most seeds and things like that they have like different combinations of different amino acids mm-hmm. in them and there's something like it might be six, it might be nine amino acids that our body needs to make proteins. Right. But like hemp seed is one of the only ones that has them all. Wow. Right? Like it's super, super healthy for yeah, you. Totally. And essentially, if you look into hemp as a product mm-hmm. and not as cannabis that you smoke, hemp doesn't have THC. Right. Right? Like it used to be an industrial product, but part of making marijuana illegal, which is also a Mexican sounding word for cannabis because it was used against Mexicans essentially. Right. Um, It's because it's such a versatile product that it essentially would destroy so many industries profitability. It would destroy entire industries like literally almost wholesale because of how useful of a product it is. Mm -hmm. And it also, especially as far as paper, it, you can most plants they pull uh different different chemicals and nutrients from the soil and when you're if you know anything about gardening you know that you have to rotate plants right and the reason you have to do that is because let's say you have strawberries they pull nitrogen and whatever else the hell they pull but they you need something that they feeds. they deplete only like specific kind of elements and other plants might deplete only other specific elements right. so you kind of got to switch their spots for sure because they'll they'll kill the soil yeah. by depleting yeah. it in an unbalanced way hemp you can grow on the same place forever without ever having to rotate it because it pulls everything in this like balanced like holistic way as well which is just like a weird kind of indication of like what an amazing plant that is. I was is, just thinking that same right? thing. It's so balanced in itself. Yeah. It, which is so interesting because sometimes, like, sometimes I'll share with my parents that, oh, you're, you know, you're making the connection when they're eating hemp seeds. I'm like, this is cannabis so plant. tasty too. Yeah, they are. Like <laughs> these crunchy little things. And yeah, I like them in my salads and stuff. How yeah. do you usually um, I like them? I like hemp seeds um, in like smoothies and salads yeah. and I'll put them on like a fried egg sandwich. You can like spray them on anything. And stuff. Cause yeah, like they're just so healthy. Yeah, totally. Um, so because like you can, you can 
grow hemp on the same plot Mm -hmm. forever and it doesn't ever destroy the soil and it also grows like ridiculously fast so you might have like an acre of trees that took like 200 years to grow Mm -hmm. that can make so much paper but hemp regrows and regrows and regrows like like a, a hemp season is only like let's say like four months six months something like it's not very long and you can harvest it and then you can grow it all again on the same spot right and then you can make paper out of that so one of the things that was behind the reefer madness as well is that it would have destroyed the newspaper industries who had all their machines tooled for regular paper to like i i've i think it was joe rogan explaining it but they would have had to like spend a shitload of money to retool their machines for hemp and it was easier for them to just print all these stories about reefer madness and different ethnicities Mm -hmm. non-white people um smoking it and becoming violent and basically hurting white women so like that was that was a huge part of it so for sure it's uh it's interesting though because definitely how you brought it up that it's it's kind of weird some of the social stigmas and and the stories that we've been told that you know you get older and you realize that like smarten up it's complete bullshit yeah yeah (laughs) pretty much right because hemp and well cannabis as a recreational drug no one in the history of the earth has ever overdosed from smoking weed it's like Mm -hmm. impossible you would have to you would have to smoke something to the effect of like a thousand joints in a row to be able to overdose from it. And you wouldn't be able to because you're going to fucking fall asleep. Like you're not going to make it. Like (laughs) it's literally, literally impossible. That's funny. But then we have things like alcohol and cigarettes, which are, yeah. And I mean like coffee, I've heard it argued even that it's like weed's not, you know the it has the moniker of being the gateway drug like but alcohol and cigarettes are legal and available and they're gateway drugs and actually also because they're legal which they they should be i think all drugs should be legal just like if you do you know about portugal they legalized yeah yeah, yeah. yeah portugal yeah, legalized all drugs for recreational use in like 2006 or something and they saw addiction rates go down there was like an an initial spike i'm pretty sure but eventually over time because they stopped treating drug use as a criminal offense and started treating it as a public health issue they saw addiction rates and overdoses that's awesome like lower significantly and it was we actually in canada we're now having a conversation about possibly doing that because we have one of the worst opioid crises yeah crises we have one of the worst opioid crises in the whole world Mm -hmm. in vancouver yeah right um but yeah it's just it's interesting to have drugs like cigarettes and alcohol that are so so dangerous compared to marijuana Mm -hmm. or cannabis marijuana is not a real thing (laughs) like the isn't it isn't isn't it not a spanish spanish term no i from what i heard it was literally just a it might be an actual spanish term but it 
its origins have nothing to do with like weed or cannabis. It literally was just to paste a Mexican sounding word on it to help with the propaganda. Okay. Yeah. Kind of thing. I I could also like, I totally see that just because like in, in what cannabis does as a recreational, as a, as a, as a therapy, as a, as a, as a, also as it does as a coping mechanism for people when they use it to be like to, to be asleep, to not deal with their problems Mm -hmm. because it allows you just to step away. Just, it literally allows you to step away and be, uh, and to enter another dimension or like to look at yourself as an observer that, that it, because people were so re- over overly regulated and we were coming from this like monarchy space that um, they who would want their people to feel liberated or to feel as an observer of what the heck am I actually doing? What am I living for? Mm-hmm. Right? So um, especially something that was so powerful and really promoting promoting a market that would that could you know go and sustain a lot of people and i think that that tag really allowed um one like you said the the uh stigmatization to continue but also to hush hush people kind of the mac very machiavellian like yeah, let the people like what I like, and so I have to show them that this is bad, so they like what I like, and not to choose that and really follow by what propaganda I'm selling them. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting you say too, just about that. Like this is a, a product; it's a market that people want, and they've used it forever. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest dangers about having all of these drugs be illegal rather than regulated, because a it's a lot, you know, when, when we were in high school, it was a lot easier to get weed or Coke or ecstasy or whatever you wanted that was illegal because there was a black market for it and you couldn't get cigarettes or tobacco unless you got like, you know, your older sibling or someone or, or an older friend to go get it for you because they're regulated and there's only specific places that you can go and get them and if you go and try to get them and you're underage like well no like get out of here yes exactly right so it it makes them it makes them easier to get for children basically Mm -hmm. for anyone by being illegal and then it creates this huge black market where billions of dollars are being funneled to organized crime and criminal criminal enterprises and you know, there's not a whole lot of violence in alcohol or cigarette production. There what, was, what did you say? like, there is or no, it? like, like there's there's not a lot of violence in alcohol or cigarette production because they're legal, they're regulated. But these, like, these criminal enterprises that run the black market, For they're that they're, are illegal. they're yeah, they're extremely violent and there's turf wars and there's all this stuff so there's there's a lot to be said about uh the legality of drugs for sure and the fact that we've kind of just been lied to about things like especially like the dangers of marijuana right Mm -hmm. that's not to say um you know even with the legalization which i support the legalization of recreational use for all drugs for sure and it's because what what would you consider all drugs? What category? Everything. So everything. What do you mean everything? And anything and everything. Okay, so then like that's just what not, Portugal did. So just not. Oh, okay. Like 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 
all the bad ones too. Like, yeah. like, like heroin. meth and heroin yeah. and everything. Yeah. Because we have, you know, what, like 60 years of the war on drugs now. And it's been shown over and over and over again in so many ways how big of just like a horrible failure it is mm. and a waste of taxpayers' money. And it's ruined so many people's lives, many of which are people that are nonviolent drug offenders for personal use. They're not growing shit. They're not manufacturing shit. They're not selling shit. They're just getting caught with a bit of weed. And some of these people with the like three strike rule in the States, it's like they go to jail for life because they got caught with weed like three times. Mm-hmm. Right. And there are still people, they're essentially political prisoners, more mm. or less. Like, there's still people in there. And, of course, the these policies dis- disproportionately affect poor communities and communities with people of color. For sure, right? yeah. Like, totally. have I ever had to deal with cops about smoking weed? No, not that I can think of. Mm. But... Um, yeah, like the war on drugs has been just an absolute failure. Right. Right. And we know that prohibition doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You we know, tried that. like back to the violence thing, when we tried prohibition with alcohol, you get the Mafias. rise of, of the Al Capones and shit like that, who go to protect the industry that they now have been kind of handed. Yeah. And and then violence breaks out because of that type of thing, right? So we know prohibition doesn't work. Right. And we pretty much got told in in school as children by our parents and our teachers and commercials, you know, public service announcements on, on the television and stuff that with sex and drugs, abstinence, we should just say no. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. It's one of the most human things to immediately go do the thing you're told not to do. Like, right. look at children. You tell them, like, hey, don't do this thing. And yeah. then what do they do? They go and do the thing. It's so like, interesting. Right away. <laughs> that reminds me of just, like, the Adam and Eve story, right? When yeah. Eve's like, don't, like, don't, don't touch that tree. Like, well, why not? Like, I want to. Yeah. And that's like, the oldest tale. Yeah. And that's, like, that's a, that's just, of. like, a big part of a characteristic of being humans right right like i saw a really funny picture <clears throat> long time ago but it's like people sitting on like it looks like an oil pipeline or something that's going through like a lake or something okay. like that and it's got a sign on it that's like do not sit on this pipe and literally as far as the eye can see there are hundreds of people just sitting on this pipe right? oh my gosh <laughs> so that's just like that's how we are but yeah it we know that it doesn't work so one of the things about even whether you make it legal or not is that we need to not just say don't do it. We need to give a proper education about the risks, of course. And cannabis has risks. I've experienced. I've experienced them too. Like, Paranoia, anxiety induced by cannabis. But I, um, it was because of fears that I had and then they were just shown through through the lens of uh, of 
being in an elevated consciousness that that's the way of experiencing. But I know a lot of people who who have stepped away stepped away from it because they've they've told me they've gone to the hospital because they had a panic attack because they were on cannabis. Yeah. And um, because for me, in as a teacher of cannabis therapy, what what that shows me is that cannabis was showing showing you something that you've been hidden hiding for a really long time. It shows you your reality. But it allows you to step away from it. But sometimes the uh, the shadows will grow, and that's why you're experiencing them a lot in a heightened state. Because that's what cannabis does. It with all of our senses, right? You get the munchies. Um, I've outgrown that munchie stage. I just overate so much when I was in <laughs> cannabis. Like it just grosses me out when someone says, "Hey, do you want to smoke this joint and then go for an all-you-can-eat?" I'm like, "No, I'm I'm so no. good." To expand my stomach beyond beyond what it can do, I don't want to do that. <laughs> to just feel like a piece of shit after. You get to make your money's worth for this all-you-can-eat, yeah. like twenty bucks yeah. type thing. Yeah, you're like, I'm super full, but I'm gonna eat another plate just, just because. Just because I've heightened my senses thanks to cannabis. <laughs> But um, yeah, so I, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen it as well, like you said, and working through what, what, what is that gateway? Like, why is this gateway a negative term in itself? Because it's a gateway, I believe, because it shows us the 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 plane that we live on, a structure of society, but also shows us beyond that as we live in a three D world. So it allows people to be like, whoa, what the fuck are we doing? We're human beings floating on a planet that's not held by anything <laughs> right <laughs> at the same time you get to like gravity it's held by gravity right <laughs> but um, then it's like but what the fuck is that <laughs> yeah exactly and he's keep going like yeah the that's hole like gets... a, we could go on a huge tangent on that exactly uh podcast part two <laughs> um so let's just we'll wrap up this thought i'll ask you about yeah. the cannabis therapy yeah um but as far as just giving a proper education about the risks and the benefits is what is necessary. Like children, I, I, I disagree with, I mean, I don't have kids and some people that do would, Mm -hmm. would certainly disagree with this, but I was a kid and I know that the way that adults have been trying it didn't work and it doesn't work. And the science, there's lots of studies to, back it as well that the the kind of things that we've been doing with the just say no and the war on drugs they don't work so are we are we going to be insane right like einstein's definition of insanity is continuing to do the same things over and over and expecting different results right like we need to have a real talk amongst each other as adults for how we're treating these things for ourselves but also for kids like kids are not stupid and they're just they're just mini people and we're just big kids essentially yeah right like i i think exactly i think the distinction between children and adults is uh, in a lot of ways it's arbitrary and in a lot of ways it's silly because a lot of people who are adults you can be 40 and 50 and mentally you can still be a 12 year old in in a lot of ways and i've 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 talked to therapists about that as well right so it's like we don't need to just tell them about the the risks and try to use these scare tactics to make them not do something that we don't want them to do that they're gonna do anyway they're gonna experiment that's what people do and Mm -hmm. they don't listen just because you said no yeah and cbd is actually like in an eaten form is actually 
good for you. Yeah. Right. In, in certain doses. And so, um, like some people, some, some people who have kids actually have experienced this where an individual who's a chef had created, um, a really healthy, uh, cupcake and it, he said he had, it had CBD in it, and but it was CBD for the benefits of um, having optimal health. Yeah. And the, the, one of the moms there was like, all right, you, which was a, her, her child, like, don't touch that. And you could see him getting so flustered, the chef. And I was just like, I'm just exp- like, I'm noticing him, like, his energy is just changing. And I'm like... And I'm like, do you want to say something? He's like, yeah, I do actually. Uh, CBD is actually good for you in certain doses and it's optimal for our health. We require it in certain ways and it actually promotes our longevity. So having that stigma that CBD, um, because now more than ever, I feel like people are getting more understanding of what THC is and what CBD is, what the difference is, which is great. But, you know, we're still in that gray area where people don't know what CBD is. And so if you're saying, oh, it's CBD, it's like, what, I'm, you want me to get high right now? Right? Yeah. And so that stigma, it's it's slowly clearing, but I definitely have experienced it. This was this this was this year. For for those who don't know, do you want to explain a little bit of the difference sure. between THC sure. and CBD? Yeah, absolutely. I I know from what I know, like you, again, it goes as deep as the rabbit hole can go. I'll tell you what I know. So THC has uh, there's two different two different uh, chemical compounds. And it's THC and CBD that exist within within uh, within the leaf. <laughs> okay, I'm like I don't want to like say things that are wrong. So do you know do you know what THC stands for? Uh, yes, like tech. Oh man, it's like I I I might Tet- butcher this a little bit, but I think it's tetrahydrocannabinol or no no I just had it in my head. It's it's tetra hydrocannabidinol or something okay, like that. Okay, that sounds right. I, was I don't know. Something. I'm probably going to just cut that out of here yeah, anyway. Yeah, okay, okay. Like... <laughs> uh, basically, um, I would honestly suggest people to do their own research. I know what the understanding is that CBD has, an, has health benefits and it, it, and it uh, releases anxiety and it focuses not so much on the high that you experience in your brain, but more so releasing soreness in the body and... Um, um, yeah, because THC things. has psychoactive properties. Yes, and thank you. CBD doesn't. Yes, exactly. At least, not nearly as much. Right. Like, right. Yeah, like way, 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 way less. Right. So much that it's pretty much nothing. Right. Yeah. So, uh, did I answer your question? You asked me what the difference was. Yeah, just for. People who didn't, yeah, listening okay. who don't know the difference, yeah, totally. And I feel like people who do like, well, actually, I'm like, yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they'll comment. Don't worry, yeah, the yeah. fucking the the trolls will come out and comment. Yeah, you don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But you know what you know, and then you you teach the you teach the rest, right? So or you learn and teach the rest. So yeah. Uh, well, so that's what I know about THC and CBD. Um, it is a one has a psychoactive property, one doesn't. And we have a cannabinoid system within, in, in built within us. That's why it complements really mm-hmm. well. In, in, innately, we are built with a cannabinoid system. That's why it reacts. Yeah. And this is, for some people, will think that this is going into conspiracy theory territory. Um, but there, for, I, I've been seeing videos and reading for years about how the, different cannabinoids in cannabis actually help to shrink tumors and stuff for cancer patients. They do. And, and not to mention something that this isn't even arguable at this point, like 
cannabis helps people who have epilepsy, people who have seizures, who have cataract, have, have way less seizures or like no seizures when they smoke weed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it shouldn't be illegal for them. And I mean, it's not anymore. Right. Right. Like it's been, especially in Canada for, for a long for time, me- there's been medicinal, time. Yeah. medicinal uses and stuff. Yeah. But I, I read an article recently that like a major medical organization, I can't remember off the top of my head, which one it was, but they actually released a press release, finally admitting that these cannabinoids were like instrumental in shrinking tumors in cancer patients. Mm-hmm. And that's something that like, you know, you know, Cheech and Chong, mm-hmm. like the Cheech and Chong, they were an old comedy duo that had a bunch of stoner movies back in the day. And this guy, Tommy Chong, um, I'm pretty sure he talks about how he cured his cancer with, with like, um, like hemp oil mm. or, or like cannabis oil. Mm-hmm. And there's actually, there's a, there's a comedian in, in Toronto. His name's Alan Park. I met him at a, like a environmental social justice organizations, uh, conference several years ago. And he has a podcast that he talks about how he cured his cancer with hemp oil as well. So it's definitely something to look into. Um, I don't know a lot about it. I don't read too much about that kind of stuff these I'm days. I'm just getting into it just because I'm um, just started my therapy classes with yoga and cannabis, and I, I'm I feel like as a facilitator, I'm requ- required to just for my own like to be the be- a better teacher uh, to have an understanding of you know how it reacts to our cannabinoid system on a biological level, mm-hmm. how it reacts to chemicals in our body because it does, and and then also. In, infuse that with an um with a esoteric experience of a, of a meditative state mm-hmm. and balance the two between like anxiety and really anxiety attacks anxiety relief paranoia and pronoia pronoia what's pronoia so pronoia is the opposite of paranoia so it's um the in like enjoying it's about enjoying your life i could go for some pro noia yeah totally that's the thing because <laughs> par- like it's so interesting because a lot of people have the word para- paranoia so so ingrained within our our dictionary right but then when i bring up the word para- pro noia they're like what so i'm, I'm bringing it up i'm yeah i've it never out there. i've literally never heard that yeah it's literally the opposite of p- paranoia so pro noia is you know not being so paranoid it's about living your life and it's about what it what it means to promote your, the longevity of your of your of your health emotionally, financially, and um, just promote an overall um, more pronoic experience rather than a like a paranoid experience that based on fear and one is based on more in a fulfillment and enjoyment. Yeah, that's that's part of the reason why I don't smoke as much weed anymore. Um, part of what I was saying about experiencing some of the detrimental effects of, of weed, I certainly in trying to deal with depression and just the stress of life, I smoked a lot of weed, like way too much weed. Um, I abused it 
and I don't enjoy smoking it as much anymore. Mm-hmm. I still I still will partake every so often, but also with it not being legal, like it's about to become legal, but even with, you know, in Canada. Yeah, in yeah. Canada right. for for our international listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um but we've had we've had dispensaries around the city here in Toronto for you know, the last the last couple of years and most of them that you go to, you might know if you're getting uh, indica, which is the more uh, down strain or a sativa, which is the more upper strain that gets you, you usually will have more of that paranoid or anxious kind of experience. If you, if you have a sativa and I know a lot of people that will only smoke indicas because of that. That's interesting. But you still don't really know what you're getting. You don't know the, the quality. You like don't know how the, they're, how they've, how, how they've treated the plant and, and kind like of the percentages of like, like we went to that one dispensary together yeah, and they had percentages of indica and sativa and there's different amounts that you can have in different kinds of weeds. So you do, you just really don't know what you're what you're ever getting because most places don't have that. Right. Right. Because so so it's kind of like hit or miss. It's like, right. oh, like am I going to smoke weed and have like a really fun enlightening experience where it makes me have interesting cool thoughts and makes me get like comfortably introspective about my life and whatever it is that I'm like trying to figure out right now right. and like is it going to help me with my writing, which it, it does. Yeah. Uh, or is it going to make me feel paranoid and anxious and like shit? Mm-hmm. Right. So like, that's part of why I, I kind of don't really smoke it very much anymore because sure. I'm just like, well, I'd rather not take the chance of it ruining the like good time that I'm already having. Right. Right. Totally. I feel like I'm very more vigilant of smoking in crowds right now. What feels really good to me is um, um, smoking my herbs by myself in a very meditative, intentional way um, because I am smelling the weed. I'm doing a whole meditative experience with it. And as I'm crushing it, I'm like, what do I want to expand my thoughts on? And that's what you experience in my class as well you know you're breaking it up in weed but we're having conversations and imagining the thoughts in, in penetrating the plant which is what plants do when you talk to them as well right whether you're talking negatively to them whether you, you'll see or whether you, you talk um good things to them you'll see how they thrive and um with that it's been changing my experience. It's been opening, especially for business, man. Oh my gosh. It's just been opening my mind. And I'm like, wow, something that I thought was not possible is now possible. And that's, I maybe that's how I probably came up with conscious productions as well. It's usually at the nighttime. That's when I come alive. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, definitely. That's something that I, I've, I've heard people say as well, where they've, you know, over just overuse the tool or used it in, in, a, in a negative way so much that the receptors of should I grab this or should, it's not su- supporting me in a very like survival state it's like it doesn't aid in my survival so I'm, I'm okay yeah um as well I've experienced I've heard people say that as well and I, I go through some spurts dry spurts like that as well I'm like you know what like I I'm good like I'm good right now and learning when to when to do the, when to learning how to say no because I come from a space where 
I maybe I was maybe the only person who smoked and now all my friends are are ganja smokers not even smokers whatever whatever way you ingest your cannabis but it's it, it was it's getting a little harder <laughs> to be like no I'm okay you can just keep that with you yeah and then knowing what feels good to me and if I really want to do if it's going to aid in me having a good time like you said or if it's just I don't want to and I, I teach people that as well like when to say no when to like maybe you don't have to smoke the whole joint I'm gonna do have a lot of smoking references because right now that's how I like to ingest my cannabis is yeah. by joints uh, classic um, I was in a little bit of a crystal pipe phase but I'm I'm gone past that so um, you know what do you what does it mean to elevate to the next level when you take another puff or, you know, um, this is with THC. Some people just do CBD, but I'm talking specifically THC. What does that mean for your body when you're going to do that? And if, are you ready to even do movement when you get to that elevated state? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're so esoterically up, up, not even up there, you're so esoterically in your space where your body is clocked out sometimes. It veg, it wants to veg out because yeah. you're so, now you've, you've gone beyond the human existence you know and like that having conversations like that is so important especially in the cannabis field because that's a choice you need to know that you're making and some people can smoke all the time and they're like i i know people in like really good positions where they are about to do a really big exam and they're like okay i'm i'm gonna go smoke a j i'm gonna study on being high and i'm gonna do this exam smoking like a really small one and they're like in they're doing really well like they're like in great positions so i just want to that just made me think of <laughs> do you know the movie how high with red man and method man yeah they're like study high take the test high <laughs> get high grades <laughs> <laughs> yeah i definitely thought i, thought I was just like friend, holding back a lot <laughs> definitely uh my friend definitely watched that movie then. <laughs> it's a good movie if you haven't seen it i recommend it it's very yeah. funny yeah totally um something cool that people could look up uh when you you said about how you talk to plants actually affects the plants and that's something that um probably some like a lot of people would be like well what do you mean right and i came across uh, a documentary years ago about this uh this japanese guy named masaru emoto and he did all these that sounds really familiar he did all these um all these tests on how like speaking to and even thinking affects water and like plants and us everything like we're made primarily of water mm -hmm. right and so he would he would play music to water as it was like freezing and if it was like really nice music, like classical Beethoven or Mozart or something really beautiful, these these water crystals would freeze into like beautiful snowflakes, basically. And then if you played like heavy metal or something like really, really rough sounding, they would just be these like shattered things like they wouldn't. That's so interesting. They wouldn't uh, they wouldn't freeze in like a, a beautiful geometrical pattern. And and the same same thing goes for just speaking to them 
or like yelling at them. It would be like beautiful or like this like shattered type of thing. And they did similar experiments. I don't know if it was in this documentary as well, mm-hmm. but um, they would they would incorporate it into like plants as well. And it's this is like anyone with a skeptical mind will certainly be like, well, that's just sounds like ridiculous because it it got to the point where they would just think a certain thing, Mm -hmm. like a a positive thought or a negative thought to, um, it was either the water or once they brought like plants into it right? and it would have like a really positive or a negative effect on it. Mm. And to, to the point as well that they actually just put positive words on like a piece of tape on the jar or negative ones and like the positive one would like grow really awesome really healthy and like the negative one would just be like a a piece of shit and die i i feel like we've known this science for so long in regards to horticulture because so much of our uh, existence was farming at one point that it's hard for me to like it's hard for me to understand or to be uh, that the general population doesn't know that. I feel like I feel like in I feel like that that's like an unsaid thing that we know that we've talked to plants they're going to grow. Mm-hmm. And um I think where we have a disalignment is when we don't realize that it's an ex- it's a metaphor of that different things exist around us that are are very sensitive to energy and how we are sensitive to energy because we don't see it. We don't Mm -hmm. see the energy. But we have our sayings though, right? It's the same thing you're saying as how like we used to all be agrarian. We used to all be farmers basically. And so there are these like these sort of like universal truths that we all knew, but we didn't have the science to support it or back it. And we're seeing that with so many things over, over recent years where science is now confirming what ancient wisdom has somehow known forever without being able to prove it. Right. And, um, we, of course we're uh we're sensitive to energies that we get from people like we know we all know exactly what it means when we say like we get bad vibes from somebody or we get like good vibes from somebody and we like we really like being around someone because they energize us and we don't want to be around the people that are like energy vampires and they just drain your energy with their like negativity and stuff like that right so it's definitely something that i think people are not only talking more about, but becoming a lot more conscious of as well. Totally. I think it's, I think it's, um, it's important conversation to have and it's, it's great that it's making mainstream media because what that is allowing is for holding space for conversations like these and normalizing conversations like these, like what exactly is happening in our psyche I was having a conversation with a, a family member and it was none of this was talked about in our childhood, in their childhood and generations before that, that having conversations like this are so heated, so, uh, so much crying, so much um, pain because these conversations are not had of what energy is. You know, because we do experience them. As soon as you walk into a room, as soon as you pass by someone, it's a thing. You know, like 
sometimes when someone crosses, walks with me and is coming the opposite way on the same side of the street or maybe opposite side of the street, but we're the only two there, I get, I, my energy will shift a little bit. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to, you know, walk a certain way as if I have to walk a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so I started telling myself, pretend like this person is not there. And for so many years, I would pretend like this other individual didn't exist. So I could just walk normally, normally, whatever that meant down the damn street. And what I realized recently, I'm like, no, like this person's energy is part, is a part of this existence right now. So why am I blocking it out? It's affecting me. And not to say like, Oh, just let any, let any outside energy affect you. I'm that's not what I'm saying at all, but I'm just saying honor that this is in coexistence with you right now in this moment. And so if you're, if you feel it, honor it, don't hide it, honor it. Like, okay, this person's walking and, um, I, 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 I definitely feel their energy. And so let me just continue walking and knowing that this person is going to pass me or knowing that they might, you know, have glanced at me. So what if they glance at me, you know, and then continue doing your thing and knowing that you're, you're continuing to co-create continue to, as you pass and maybe you have another experience, you're still continuing to co-create because you're in that existence together. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, like you can you can pick up on people's energy just from looking at them, right? Whether it's like someone you're in a room with, someone you're hanging out with, or it's just like a stranger walking down the street. Like mm-hmm. you can just like look at them and pick up some energy or their their body language, right? Like we we went we have this system of understanding body language that's so much more ancient than our language systems in our brains. And we don't, we don't even talk about that type of stuff. And it's it's part of the same conversation, right? Like there's so much information that we pick up and judgments that we make based on just like body language. And as far as the, there's like the stereotypical kind of example of, you know, you're walking by yourself somewhere at night and you see somebody walking down the street on the same side as you. And sometimes we just have that like fear in us. That's like, Oh, like I'm by myself and like this person I'm getting a vibe from or something like that. And sometimes people cross the street and there's a stereotypical racism element to that, obviously that it's like, Oh, like a white person sees a a black person for instance. And then they cross the street because they're racist. That's certainly an element of it. But part of it is just that, yeah, like we pick up on people's energy. We pick up on people's body language and stuff like that. And we, we typically aren't even conscious of it. It's like Mm. all this stuff going on in our subconscious Mm -hmm. mind. And it's funny too, you, you mentioned, you know, like if someone glances at you, this is something that particularly is bad for men because some men are fucking idiots or who knows what it is that they're dealing with that they have this macho thing where like if you even one, just even just cross like look. like yeah. in, in just like a quick glance, like in passing, not even like staring at them at all, some guys, like a like a lot of guys will be like they'll stare you down and be like what the fuck are you looking at type of thing this actually just happened to me like two days ago i was i was like five minutes away from my house biking home and i just like got on my bike and i passed this other dude on a bike in a parking lot 
and it was just a quick like my head passing him and like our eyes caught and it happened he's like what the fuck are you looking at man and i'm oh, just like geez. yo what the hell man like i didn't say anything i just kept biking but then i'm kind of like glancing behind me a little bit like this motherfucker better not like come try to like yeah. start shit with me because yeah. like i accidentally looked at his eyeballs like what the fuck <laughs> right man? yeah yeah <laughs> it's the weirdest thing though it, it is weird. It's so interesting because I've, like, I've had an experience where, like, my, 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 I mean, a lot of people have been taught this, like, but particularly for women and particularly in my culture, because I can speak from my experience, was, like, like, don't look at, like, don't look at men too much in the eyes because that means you want it. Right. Right? And so. And just for people, because this is radio. Yeah. What, what is your culture? Oh, I'm Indian. I'm Indian, uh, Dravidian descent. Yes, and I have a little Portuguese uh, within there. Got a little flavor, yeah. little mixture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so um, this idea that if I do, it means I'm asking him to uh, come and do whatever, do whatever, but also that I want to start something in that experience. And um, I was afraid of that. I was so afraid of that ex- that interaction. that I'm, And now as a woman, I'm, I'm like... wanting to define redefine rules of like well if this individual thinks that i'm gonna straighten him out like i'm gonna be i'm gonna say something like (laughs) hi i'm i'm acknowledging as a human being that is it like full stop period right there like let's just continue keep walking i'm not calling you ask like for your number or anything i'm just saying hey beautiful soul who's over here peace beautiful soul yeah (laughs) and continue walking and um and navigating through that and what that what that means Right. Um, because some people, oh, you're not you're not supposed to do that because now you're just asking for it or you're calling, you know, karma or bad stuff into your life because you're lighting fire of like, like you should have just put your head down and walked, you know, and um, it's been interesting. It's been an interesting experience of like in and of itself, like me just growing to a woman, <laughs> what that means of navigating through that and yes you're walking down the street because that happens a lot i feel as well yeah for sure no i agree with you though like you gotta you gotta stand up for yourself and you gotta start the fire because starting the fire is is having the conversations to change right and we our generation needs to do that across so many of the issues that we face Mm -hmm. like we can't we can't change anything and we can't solve any of the the issues whatever it's related to if it's related to politics and social issues it's related to conversations we need to have about mental health and addiction with drug laws mm-hmm. it doesn't matter like nothing changes unless we unless we change and unless we go against what we were taught mm-hmm to have conversations that previous generations wouldn't have and we're sort of like we don't really even have a choice right like we're facing a lot of kind of big existential issues right now Uh, some people don't believe it but climate change being (laughs) one of them i think the science is out on that um but like we're not we're not dealing with it right and that's that's kind of a one of the key things that I'll probably be talking about again and again in in different ways throughout making these podcasts because you know we have we have things like climate change that's like this existential crisis for 
our ability to survive in the future and politicians and corporations and people in general, we're not doing enough. We know we're not doing enough and it's going to be bad if we don't fix the problems. And that's kind of how it is across the board. We're seeing like a lot of, a lot of animosity between people who have different beliefs about what's right and what's wrong, what we should be doing. Like you have extremists that are emerging and becoming louder and louder and more and more aggressive with each other on the political right and the political left. And because they're so loud, they get a disproportionate amount of media coverage because they get ratings because it's interesting because it's a conflict you know but it's also giving this like sense that there's more of them than there actually is that they're actually speaking on behalf of bigger groups than they actually are because for most of us we're whether we're on the right or the left we are much more reasonable and somewhere near what would be called the center and these extremists have just gone so far on either side right and they're really not representative of most regular people but they're the ones stirring the pot and lighting the fire underneath i i I had an idea the other day that it's kind of like the the aggression that these groups of people are showing towards each other and being so rigid and stuck in their beliefs and their ideologies of what they believe is is like they're stoking the fire under this like cultural boiling pot Mm -hmm. and it seems like the more they're doing that the the more things are boiling up and from things that we've seen in history it, we don't we don't necessarily know what event is it going to actually take right. to happen to make that pot boil over mm. and that goes from them having aggressive confrontations to violence happening mm. and we're seeing the violence popping up mm-hmm. here and there right we're seeing these like we've been happening um, we're seeing school shootings we're seeing nightclub shootings we're seeing random daylight on the street ran like in in toronto there was a shooting recently of you know a bunch of innocent people there was several months ago someone ran a bunch of people over with a van Mm -hmm. for the first time um i i was an avid watcher of the news when i was in university totally into academia i just wanted to know really what was going on also in addition i was dating a guy who was just so into history as well and in the media and the news that we were just talk of news and all that good stuff. So I had to take a break and I, I've been living under a rock. I do not yeah, watch any news. I don't either. Any platform of news that's on the TV, I do not watch. And so I have been sitting under a rock and I, to be frank, I don't really care um, in, in, in the sense of I don't really care because um, I can do my own research and find out what I need to find out. And what I realized, I was at the nail salon last last evening, and there were 214, up until today, shootings that Toronto's experienced 
begin since beginning of this year, I believe. Yeah, and it, that's what I was gonna say. Like, even when you don't watch it, you still hear about it. Like, you're still yeah. gonna hear about it from friends and family and coworkers and stuff like that, right? So, yeah, it's it, it's not it's not good for it's not good for your health. It's not good for your your mental health and well being to be being fed all of this negative news all the time. And that's all the news organizations are like yeah. 95% just negative stuff. I watched, I watched a video today and I don't really watch videos like this, but I, I, I was, it just popped up on my feed and it was basically all these platforms, all these different news platforms. They, uh, the person had collaged them all together, one after the other, and bigger in a bigger uh, screen. But then uh, collaged them all together, and they were all word for word so the exact same thing. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from the fact that they were on different different political agendas, the general concept and the choice of wording is so is so particular. As you know, right? I've when, seen videos, like yeah, that, where so like weird. the news anchors on like many many different stations are literally all using the exact same talking points i've seen videos like that where there's like 30 40 50 different news stations because a lot of them are local yeah and they're literally saying the exact same line throughout them right and like well that's what you get when you have the media consolidation every single piece of mainstream media before the internet but like a big chunk of what most people see on the internet as well they're owned by six corporations mm. mm-hmm. like it's you, do you know them um i don't know them i can actually if you want to i can look them up because f- I, I i've i've heard them before i just I, ha- I, li- I literally have a post on on a facebook album about this there's uh <laughs> that's so funny there's well it's like a uh an infographic Okay. So it's like a really cool little infographic about that topic. Like you should check it out. But I'll tell you them in a moment. Yeah, it's like a really nicely designed infographic too. Here it is. Media Consolidation. The Illusion of Choice. By Frugal Dad. He does some really good... Uh, Really good infographics. So, yeah, here, let's just see. The media has never been more consolidated. Six media giants now control a staggering 90% of what we read, watch, or listen to. In 1983, 90% of American media was owned by 50 companies, and in 2011, that same 90% is controlled by only six companies. So those companies are General Electric. They own Comcast, NBC, Universal. A company called News Corp owns Fox and the Wall Street Journal, the New York Post. Disney owns ABC, ESPN, Pixar, Miramax, Marvel. Mm -hmm. Viacom owns MTV. Nickelodeon Jr., BET, CMT, and Paramount. Time Warner owns CNN, HBO, Time, and Warner Brothers. And CBS owns Showtime, Smithsonian, NFL.com, Jeopardy, 60 Minutes. So those are just some of the notable. Those are just some of the most notable properties. But like those are some of the biggest known ones. Known ones 
that are household names at all, right? Yeah, that are associated with you know teachings in school, and they're you know that's connected to so much of of our of our uh, different areas of our lives, right? How we teach and how we connect to uh, the school system, trades, the trades, the um, the way that we what we learn about foods and how we cook them and things like that. What did you write down? <laughs> I wrote, why do we always um, uh, say no? No, why do we always do the things we're told not to? Oh. I wrote that down because I wanted to philosophize about that. Philosophize. So let's let's uh, let's just wrap up the point that we're on because yeah. like we're obviously just like free flowing into a bunch of stuff. Yeah. That's that's one thing I'm noticing. I I know I do this a lot myself just in general, yeah. and this is like how conversations usually go: is that you're on a topic and then you switch to something else. Right. But it gets confusing because you didn't actually wrap up summarize and, yes, the topic that you were totally. talking about. Um, so yeah, just on the, the topic of, you know, watching and listening to the mainstream media too much, I don't do that any, anymore really either. Cause like there's much more important things and, and things that I'm much more interested in and than that. And it doesn't make you feel good. And like, I've heard, uh, there, there's a guy, he's a serial entrepreneur. He created the X prize. Um, if you don't know what XPRIZE is, I'm not going to explain it right now, but check it out. It's a very cool competition for solving huge, huge problems with like, you know, $10 million, $15 million prizes for um, like, yeah, just go look it up. Cool. <laughs> I could go into that for a while. But like this guy, Peter Diamandis, is the creator of that. And to give you a sense of like, who this guy is he's like a futurist type of dude serial entrepreneur super successful like elon musk sort of like mm -hmm. he is the co-founder of a company called planetary resources mm -hmm. which is planning to track asteroids that are coming close enough to earth to send like ships to them to go and like mine the resources and like bring them back to like earth or to bring them to like a moon station post that we have right. and stuff so it's like super super like high level stuff but he he says you know like he would never he calls cnn the crisis news network and he's like i don't watch that stuff because like i i have businesses to run i got shit to do i can't be I can't be watching that stuff. Like there's only so much time in the day. Yeah. You don't only learn about so much. Like why would you waste your time yeah. watching the mainstream when media or just bad news when you could be working on the solutions? And for me, part of the reason I stopped that is because it makes me, it, it makes me depressed. Like yeah, it makes I feel, me I feel, like feel it makes hopeless. A lot of people depressed. Yeah. Like it makes, it makes me feel hopeless for our future that you're just getting bombarded with these like negative news and stuff. And so Diamandis, he has this idea that if, you know, let's say on like the Huffington post, we could have, or on every news like website and stuff, if we could just have a dial at the top where we choose the percentage of good news versus bad news that we can get from these media organizations, then he's like, well, I'd like dial it up to probably like 
at least 80 or 90% good news <laughs> and then maybe I'll like consume their content. Right. Because yeah. yeah, like why you're not, you're not contributing to much when you're just being paralyzed by all the bad shit that's happening in the world. Absolutely. And I think, um, I think some people do this a lot in regard to not watching the news because like me, myself, I've overwatched it and, and it causes uh, depression and sadness um, because there's so much, it's, it, it's such a paradox. There's an over, over sensitization, uh, um, at the same time as a desensitized, desensitization that is happening and it's getting people to a, a space that, um, they just don't want to deal with it anymore they don't want to deal with that but it's also only being talked about in one scope okay, so it comes back to our podcast it comes back to the the conversation that we are actually talking about about all these under layer underlying layers that exist that are have so many facets to why the news is, is the way it is right and it's been interesting because i i see some people who are just like overly obsessed with it and um are totally in it and like their whole life revolves around these conversations about the news Mm -hmm. and i'm like really i didn't know but i don't care to but it's interesting because their facts are just coming straight from there as their only source and now um it's like you're watching a form of the news embedded within a person yeah it's so it's an interesting experience having those two um having those two uh, experiences as as I'm meeting different people. And, of course, you do find the the people in the middle ground, you know, seeing things. I'm like, okay, turn off the TV and stuff like that. But I I like to do this thing where once in a while I'll, like, pop my head out (laughs) into the space, into Earth, and I'm like, what's up? Not even into Earth because I'm (laughs) I'm into Earth. What is happening on this planet? Yeah, what is happening (laughs) on the news particularly? Like, I, 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 I... I want to definitely say, like, I, I love Earth stuff. <laughs> um, I also love Earth stuff. Right? This is cool. why we're friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I feel like um, I just like to once in a while jump up. Hey, what's going on in the mainstream media? Is this is it? All right. So that's happened to me last last night. I didn't fully finish my thought, but I was at it. I was getting my pedicure and the news is on always at my pedicure place. I It drives me insane because the TV is like... Five feet away from me up top, and it's this huge flat screen TV, and it just drives me insane because I'm getting my toes done. And yeah, you're I trying s- to relax. Exactly. And like have and a then, peaceful time. And then my nail lady, is she goes, did you hear that? I'm like, I don't care. Like, why are you talking? <laughs> and she's like stopping in between my thing. Like, I don't mind that she does, but she's just like, oh my God, like six people got shot. Like... As she's like painting my nail, I'm like, I don't want to. I actually, yeah, it actually turns me off. But how it shapes the environment, that space in itself, how it shapes it, it's so interesting because people come there to get get a service done, and then the news is on there and it's shaping the people that are coming in and leaving as well. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, interesting experience about the news. Um, I was supposed to, I had a bigger point, but I did miss it. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. <laughs> about the news. Oh, yes. About peeping out, peeping out there. Right, right, right. Yes. And peeping out there. I'm like, oh, what's up? So I got my dose yesterday night. Um, when I got my pedicures, I'm like, oh, this is what's happening. Oh, this is how many. I, I've been up to date to how many shootings um, for 2018 we've been in. Okay, good. Now I'm, I'm going to go back in my hole and be the solution of being the, the, the space of doing know what I do best and yeah. just do that and yeah well that's the that's the thing right like what good does it do to know how many shootings have happened in what is that just like in toronto or in canada yeah no i was in toronto. yeah just in toronto so it's like you get this huge number what what was it 214 so it's only like the middle of august and there's been 214 shootings in toronto in just our city yeah it's like think about what that is across canada think about what that is across the states exactly these numbers are they're they're it's like the number of planets it's like the same thing they're the numbers are too big that our brains are are literally not able to really comprehend them right like you can't comprehend 214 shootings in one city like we're not even 214 days into the year yet right and it's like and how many bodies how many people got shot in those and stuff and it's like what good does knowing that do you like that's something that I've been trying to focus on and thinking about a lot is that like, I want to talk about and learn about why, why does this keep happening? What is wrong with our society and what is wrong with people? What is happening to people that so many people are like having such a bad time and struggling so much that they're resorting to violence right and sure some of that is there might be i feel like there's a lot of depression that isn't talked about and the word literally depression it means to depress to to push something down Mm -hmm. right like you know when you go to the doctor and a tongue depressor it pulls your tongue down and i feel like that's one of the oh, causes. like the stick when they're like ah, say ah. Yeah, and so it holds the tongue down. So yeah. the root word of depressed, because some I feel like in our society that we've taken this word depressed and we've taken it out so much out of context that sometimes people don't even know why they're depressed because mm-hmm. they don't even but they've attached this negative feeling of it doesn't feel good, so I'm gonna attach it to depression, mm-hmm. right? Like oh, I, I suffer from depression. And stuff like that. But if you also like rewind it back and like, what does depression mean? Yeah. You'll actually be able to find out why you are um, putting stuff down. Why are you holding up what you're not supposed to? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what I feel like my experience of why, why violence occurs and, um, is because there's a lot of depression. There's a lot of depression of yeah. holding stuff down and not being able to talk about stuff like this, like what exactly what we're talking about right now. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, like, it, it seems like a lot of the... Well, there, there are lots of shootings. Um, we're seeing a, a lot of the big shootings in the media in, like, schools and nightclubs and random shooting of strangers on the streets mm-hmm. and, like, that van that drove down... Like what was it, Young Street? Like the largest, the, yeah, the one, largest street yeah, in Toronto, exactly. yeah. and like ran down like thirty people or something. Yeah, was it Young and Eglinton or Young and Finch? I think it was like around Young and Eglinton area. Okay, and 
and and it's like these these young white men Mm -hmm. right and for those listening i am a young white man and a lot of the well there a bit on a side topic like with the the political conflicts of the left and the right it's like the right is pictured as these white supremacists, racist, gun-toting Nazis. What? And the, the left is characterized as these social justice warriors right. who are like the, the opposite of that. And they're trying to fight oppression. Right. And they're blaming oppression of basically all of history on white men mm-hmm. oppressing women and people of color like literally white men have oppressed everyone forever right basically and it's not that there's no there's no truth in that there's seriously a a lot of truth in that but yeah and also the way it's being characterized is this like black and white characterization but as a young white man this is part of why it's been hard for me to even start this podcast or speak out and even try to talk about these issues because the left is is just shutting people down a lot with if you don't agree with them wholeheartedly on absolutely everything even if you're a liberal and if you're not as far left as the farthest left people then you're right like you're right of the political spectrum. That's how they're like treating things. And so it's like, for me, it's like, I have no, I have absolutely no right to even speak about anything that's going on as a white man, because I'm the oppressor. Right. Right. And I'm like, I'm not an oppressor. I'm right. not, like, I'm, but I, I also think that it's so important to know, like throughout history that, we we've had different cycles of experiences where yeah for a long time the white man has oppressed but then there were a lot of different tribes that that or a lot of spaces of colonization not even colonization of different wars where the white man wasn't the oppressor and it was a different race that was oppressing the white the white culture or the you know what i mean um i feel like that also that was also a reality that existed, mm-hmm. and um, I'm bringing that up because there's also always like another side to the space. Yeah. Because I think what's what's most recent was the white man colonizing and being the oppressor. Oh yeah, they the- they committed genocide to the North American natives, right. and they brought slaves over from Africa. Like that's our most recent history. It's not good. Mm-hmm. Like it's certainly not good. But for sure. Yeah. So you were saying as a, like, it'd be hard for you to speak up because there's so much, uh, well, that's city. Yeah. Like that's one of the things that was a, t- a bit of a tangent just because, um, talking about white men and just that I have a bit of a fear of speaking up almost about anything about using my voice to talk about anything because of the political climate, which certainly isn't good for my mental health feeling like I I can't even speak about anything sort of, but a lot of the like big publicized shootings that we're seeing and stuff like that are being perpetrated by young white men. Mm -hmm. So as a young white man, I also, uh, obviously that's 
what I identify as and I'm seeing somewhat of like these reflections of myself are being the perpetrators of these horrible acts that they're committing against innocent people. And I'm just like, what is wrong? Like what is happening? What is wrong with these dudes? And it goes back to, you know, like there's a big conversation about that. It's not, it's not because we need to make guns illegal it's a mental health conversation that we need to have and things like that. And it is, it is like these, obviously you don't go shoot up a bunch of people. If like you feel happy and good about life, like these guys are obviously depressed or lonely. They don't have social support structures. And that's a, that's a big problem in our society in general for people who are not thinking about going and hurting other people, but they're still dealing with that same stuff. Like Mm there's still, um, you know, we're, there's something I say to people quite often that if you continue listening to this podcast, you'll probably hear me say it a lot, but it's this idea that we're living in the most peaceful and prosperous time that has ever existed in the history of civilization. Yeah. But at the same time, we're going through what's being called by experts an epidemic of mental health issues, of depression and anxiety and stuff. So it's like, why? Like, what is at the heart of that? And I think that it comes down to the same types of issues that, like, you're having a mental health epidemic for people across the board because we're the most social creatures that have ever existed and we live in a world where we don't have really good social relationships or support structures and things like that and people are lonely and they're depressed and they that make us for for these guys that are going and shooting up places with innocent people to kind of like go out sort of in like a blaze of glory like they could just kill themselves right but there's something so wrong with the systems that we're living under that they have to make a statement that they are in so much pain and they've become so hateful and resentful of the conditions that we're like living under where so many people are having their basic human needs met for love and for having relationships, healthy relationships with other people, that it's almost like a, an act of protest or something to go out in that way so as to say, I'm not just going to kill myself. I need to make a statement. And some of these guys write manifestos about why they did what they did, right? right. And if you hear... Um, if you hear what some people who've read these, like the, the Columbine shooters apparently wrote about why they did what they did. And it's just like this, like horrific picture of like hatred for like the, like the human species and the society that we've created. And stuff, right. 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 And they want to help better it or it's not even that they want to help better it it's just that they're not just going to go out silently they're going to oh, okay. they're going to make a statement and be known and yeah like be known I and guess it could be a, it could be a way of finding 
finding presence, you know, like, Hey, I'm here. I exist. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, 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 I'm an individual and I want the whole world to know it. I want the whole world to know that I'm, I'm a being that is awake and alive and living. I always had this vision and I feel like this, I, this vision that a lot of kids have it and it's, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's this idea that, you know, um, that you want to, the general idea you want to be famous because you want the whole world to know who you are. Mm-hmm. And so that can, that can micro, micro it down to, um, the way we talk to people sometimes when we want to be extra boisterous and you're, and you want, you know, and, um, so people hear your thought, but you want to make sure that other people around you are affirming, affirming you instead of you affirming you. I feel like that goes with the same action that if you're not being acknowledged in maybe the general population you want to be so you do something that's out of the ordinary that really catches people's attention um we do that on micro micro ways we do it in macro ways and i think that's one of the more yeah for sure bigger, bigger ways that we do it yeah i think by virtue of being human we know that we're going to die so i think it's kind of like a natural thing for us to want to do something to be remembered by just mm. in general right and you hear that with with That's many with, with many of the the stories yeah and and like what you're saying too especially in the context of like these guys that are doing these horrible things is to is to shout in this like horrific blaze of maybe not glory but whatever it is to kind of shout to the world hey i'm i'm here and i exist and the world left me no option but to do this mm. horrible thing sort mm. of right and it's it's tragic but yeah there's there's definitely this big component of mental health issues that yeah. are at the at the heart of that and it's only through conversation and through talking about these kinds of things that's going to be able to figure out what's going on and change it, right? Yeah, to help people understand what the heck is going on with themselves, mm-hmm. right? Because this whole this whole space for reflection, this whole space for well, shit, people are experiencing something similar on the opposite side of the world, and so I don't feel as alone. But more than that, more than just uniting that we're all sad, that now I now have. Uh, a tool to be able to or a coping mechanism to be able to learn and be better and live what I live how I actually want to live rather than a space of anger and because angry anger in some sense is actually healthy and how it's channeled is important as well I think that um, it takes a lot of energy to stay angry and to act and do things. I was reading an article by Osho, who's a, a really modern guru, Indian guru. Have you heard of him? Yeah. Yeah. And Bagwan. Says, yeah. The <laughs> oh, Bagwan. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know the Bagwan, watch the uh, Netflix docuseries called Wild Wild Country about when his, his group 
basically built an ashram or, or what I don't know if that's the proper term, but yeah, sounds right. in uh, in the middle of Oregon and shit went crazy. <laughs> so um, <laughs> you saying that <clears throat> try picking up a like you'll be able to pick up a rock when you're angry, like this huge boulder, just because you have so much adrenaline pumping into you, you know, and um, it imprints that anger when you're doing certain things like you'll be more. Not that happiness doesn't, but it, it takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot out of you, and it imprints um, negative energy on your on your on your muscles, on your thought process. And with that, it it holds a certain energy and a tone for people to act. And so, when you're always just always angry and and um, fed up with life, it it stirs a pot in in a way where it seems like everything sucks. So. I believe that, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Well, it's even like the, that idea that, you know, you might be so charged up with, with adrenaline when you're angry that you can pick up a big stone that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. But what happens when you try to hold on to that stone? It's going to break your muscles down. Right. And that's what holding on to anger does to your mind. It yeah, breaks fine. your mind down. It, and it's a, it's the same same idea as, um, you know, holding on to anger is like holding a hot stone. You're going to be the one to get burned, right? You're holding on to that anger. You're holding on to that hot stone almost because, like, maybe you want to throw it at somebody else. But the whole time you're holding it, you're burning yourself. Right. I, I just see, see people do so much crazy things out of anger. So much crazy things out of anger. And I'm just like you're really allowing this emotion to drive you to spaces where you are um, imprinting this anger on your body that it lasts. It, it doesn't just leave it unless you've done enough work to, for it to, to be like that. But regularly the average person who doesn't know these tools will, it will last on their body. It will make an imprint and then it stays in an imprint. And so imagine having a scar on your face kind of thing and, you know, you live around it. You live around it. And it's not like it's gone, but it, you, you, again, you just live around it. And it, it just it, it calls in more space of that that kind of energy, that kind of density. And then it just perpetuates. Yeah. And I feel, I, I feel that, <clears throat> not necessarily feel, but um, it, through exploration and through reflection the intensity of anger is 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 so needed sometimes and it's so healthy to experience i think in a way if we can have a space in society where it's like that that you know let's just say once a week everyone's having a class of expressing anger yeah not where how, you can not how to deal with where it. you can let it out yeah in a healthy way yeah yeah like do you know how much more uh fruitful and productive our society would be um not in regards to technology wise but just like in health in more of a health way for sure because like we don't have anywhere in our society where it's acceptable to release anger really like it was for for many of us this is true for me my parents would not let us express anger in healthy ways 
because they looked at it as like we were, you know, throwing a fit or talking back or something and they would reprimand us and they would scold us for that. And then you learn to that it's not safe to release your anger. And it's just like what you're saying about being depressed. And it's like it's to press down and keep those feelings inside you that you you have learned. It's essentially not it's not safe to let it out. And like we can't we can't let anger out at work. Mm -hmm. It's not acceptable to let anger out at school. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to let anger out in healthy ways in relationships when everywhere else in your life for so many people it's never been okay to express anger and and you need to be able to do that in a healthy way because if you hold that in it doesn't go anywhere it just it stays inside you until you act out and it comes out in some way if you do, yeah, that you right. don't intend it to, right? Yeah. That's why people, sometimes they like, they lose their temper or they lose their cool and they either have an outburst of anger or they have an outburst of being upset, which is very tied to anger and they actually lose control of themselves. And when they come back down to like their baseline, how often do people say like, Oh my God, I don't know what just came over me, what just happened. Cause it's so, it's so out of your conscious control. And it's like, what came over me? It's like, it's like almost like you're possessed by a spirit or something that is acting through you. And that's your like anger or your sadness that you've like kept inside Yeah, and it just stays inside you and it festers and it gets bigger and it turns to resentment and it turns to hatred and it turns to people doing horrible things to other people right right absolutely i i think um it, that that concept of you have to hide it instantly brought me to dr jekyll and mr hyde yeah and um nutty professor um how there were evil parts always existed within them but they allowed the placebo or the chemical, quote unquote, to bring out that part because it was not okay for them to bring out that part otherwise. Right. Right. And so now this part was coming out and they kind of, the, they kind of liked that this part was coming out. And so, um, it was, you know, more freedom, more expression, more demanding and what's well, healing. Exactly. And so, and then learning, well, in the stories that they don't learn the balance and then, you know, the other one gets the angry one gets out too much. And then, you know, things go overboard because now the person who's actually more sane, more calm, can't control the angry one. Right. And, and it's that's like the Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting, but Hulk can control. Oh, actually, no, he can't. Right. He, I mean, he learns. Yeah. That's you, what yeah. He learns, he learns. He learns how to control it. Yeah. Cool. It takes practice. It, it takes does. time. It takes, it takes being able to hold space for that. Like to be able to lose your cool in, in a space where you're like, okay, I just lose my cool. But a ho- hold space where, you know what? You can lose your cool. Like be angry so you can learn how, how far you can go. But again, in, in healthy spaces, right? Yeah. And like, honestly, it's, it's like people like us, we have to create those spaces. Like I am like super, I'm like totally into that. Like, yeah. um, because what I do want to kind of eventually get into doing is I think a lot about what kind of workshops could I create or could we have where 
we're helping people to not only connect with each other because we're we are living in this society where so many people are so lonely and all all people do is work like Mm. that's it like you get up you work you do the same thing every day for so many people and you see the same people who usually are just your work friends you don't actually hang out outside of work so it's like you might be friendly with each other at work but you're not real friends it's like like it's like yeah like it's like there's not like an actual real deeper relationship there and it's because it's like even the interaction is only facilitated by having to go to the same place every day right and it's also regulated because you can't express anger you can't and there's only so much of facil of um of of certain topics that you can talk about yeah like you can't you can't even it's not a, even like the the example of being at work yeah you can't express anger but you also can't even really develop real friendships because like you're at work you have to work right like you can't just stand around chatting right you can like build relationship over break and lunch but then a lot of people go home to their family and there there's so many people that those are the only relationships that they have Mm -hmm. it's like going home going to work and your work friends who aren't even like real friends outside of work and then going home to your family if you have one and those are your only relationships for sure or if if you don't even have a family then you're just like going home and being lonely all the time right like i i know my mom she's a very career-oriented individual and one of the like one of the most predominant conversations that she likes to have is um is about her career because she's very she she's put a lot into it a lot into it so yeah that's what she talks about be you know uh, on dinner and not that i don't want to hear about it it just it's interesting how so much of one person's life it makes sense why you're discussing work when you're not at work because it takes so much a part of your life and you've planted so much um taking time energy planted these seeds and um you're now talking about work when you're not at work because that's how much you've consumed uh that's how most of your day was consumed about yeah and especially someone who's very career oriented right so it's very interesting it's very interesting i i i I do like to think that um sorry i'm just gonna put this on i do like to think that things are changing and like again conversations like these and spaces like that I wrote something that my friend told me and it's unfortunate that she's not acting upon it but I have written it down and we'll talk about it and um, in regards to whole, like I want to I'm going to incorporate this in my in my teachings when I teach yoga when I teach uh, any kind of event holding a space to scream yeah to scream just fucking let it out yeah can I swear on this yeah okay. oh fuck yeah yeah <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm cool. pretty sure I've, I've dropped a few okay. expletives. Oh yeah, every single episode of this will be explicit. Okay, cool. Pretty sure because cool. I have a potty mouth. Okay, cool. My parents swore around me so much when I was a kid. Right. <laughs> so it just kind of comes easy. Oh, I I've like made a conscious effort to try to stop swearing so much at certain points in yeah. my life because yeah, I'm like me too. it doesn't like sometimes. There, there are 
some of the podcasts I listen to, like there's this guy, uh, Andy Frisella. He's a uh, CEO of this like supplement company. His podcast is called the motherfucking CEO project. And so he swears in it and stuff, but it's like, it's used in a way that's like a bit more matter of factly, um, than sometimes how I find myself swearing. It's actually a, a bit off putting even to myself because I think there's anger attached to it. Mm. Whereas like, if there's not this like anger attached to it and you're just saying like, Oh, like you don't need to fucking do this or that. Just fucking do this, whatever. But if like sometimes I, I like catch myself being like, Oh, like this or that thing is really like fucked up. It's really fucking stupid or this right. or that. Then it obviously comes across in this like different tone and it's yeah, different context. Absolutely. So, so I, I actually like I, that even I do find off putting myself if right. I hear it back, back in yeah. a recording, yeah. which if you don't know, I record myself talking all the time because I'm weird like that. <laughs> Hence why you have an awesome podcast. Yeah, but... Um, but yeah, letting people scream and and it's so awkward. It's so awkward because it, oh, yeah. you don't do it. Oh, it's totally weird. When the what? hell have you been asked to scream? You've obviously been told not to. That's yeah. so... Like, instantly we're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We know that. Like, don't scream. Like, there's spaces that are, have signs like do not scream, like do not be loud. But when's it's like, okay, no, I actually want you to scream. Yeah, right imagine now. going somewhere so and there's a sign that's like, scream. like loud zone. Like <laughs> it's okay to like, yeah, sc- screaming zone with like a thumbs up beside it or something. You're like, oh, cool. We're in the screaming zone. Just, you just like walk into this zone and there's just literally people walking around. It seems like it would seem like an insane asylum if yeah. you walked into somewhere where people are just all screaming like you'd well, be like what is happening yeah and i love and i love host facilitating space like that because now you're bringing up it's going to bring up stuff any form of movement in your body it brings up stuff because our muscles um, have memory our bodies have memory and so when you scream like that it's going to ignite something yeah um of whatever whatever experiences that you've had and so it, it's enlightening it's releasing it's traumatizing sometimes um but it's it, it's needed to heal to to be a better you so you can know i, I think it's, i'm such a strong believer in knowing what capabilities you're able of doing even when you're in your ang- angry spaces because if you keep like submerging 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 you're never going to know and you're just going to um like you're cool one day and you didn't know you were capable of doing that so knowing yeah. how like your limits of like okay if this happens like this is what's going to happen knowing that so you can actually be um the best you you can be at all times yeah like anger i've heard explained as it's any any natural bodily function we have is there for a purpose and anger is there generally it's to protect us right <laughs> like we get angry if something comes into our space that could potentially hurt us. I just got so angry so quickly. Right. When you said that. Yeah. I don't like that feeling. Yeah. Cause like the, the one time there was a, a guy speaking to an audience and he's talking about how anger is like, it's a defense mechanism. It's something that is made to move us to some sort of action to get out of the way of some sort of harm. Right. So like he goes into the audience and he goes right up to a woman in the audience and he's like, does this make you uncomfortable? 
She's like, no. And he keeps going closer and keeps asking, does this make you uncomfortable? No. How about this? No. And then he's like right in front of her. And so he's totally in her bubble, right? And we get angry sometimes or we get uncomfortable when people come in our personal space inside whatever our individual bubble is that we're comfortable with people coming to. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he's like, are you uncomfortable now? Where he's like basically like touching her knee to knee as she's like sitting in this seat and he's standing up and she's like, well, I mean, if it was anybody but you, the speaker who we came to see, I probably would be uncomfortable. He's like, okay, well, what if I were to stand on top of your legs right now? What would you do? She'd be like, well, I'd like, push you or like tell you to get the fuck off me or something right he's like yeah exactly because as soon as something happens where anger actually comes up it's meant to move us to action right and and yeah like if you if it's not anger that's coming up for physical harm we get angry when there's mental psychological and emotional harm we get angry and we need to speak out is the the moving to action that we need to do but when we aren't given kind of safe spaces to allow our anger to come out in life growing up we learn to internalize that and keep it inside where it's like holding that hot stone where we get burned by holding on to it And, and then, yeah, it'll, it'll come out in a way that we don't want it to. That's not intentional. So, so it could be, it could be very powerful to create a space where people can express anger in a healthy, intentional way. And then also have a conversation about figuring out what that anger actually represents. What is it actually from? And then either making some sort of change in your life yeah. that is like causing you to have and hold on to this anger if it is a change that you need. Because anger can be used as a tool for powerful action. Yes, it can. I think we should collaborate on an event or some sort of space like that. Absolutely. Yes. I, I really would like that. Yeah. And like I'll I'll fucking it's cool too because it's when you <laughs> when you create a space like that and you're you're like facilitating a space like that, even when people come to it, it like you said, like they'll feel silly and stuff like that. But as long as you show them it's okay then people immediately become comfortable or more able to express themselves in that way. That's why like the greatest like leaders and facilitators and stuff are the ones that just like do the things that everyone else is uncomfortable to do. So it's like, I'll come in front of a group of people and like we set up an event like that where I'll just, I'll yell, I'll scream. I'll just be like, ah, like, what is going on? <laughs> and then I've been then doing that. Like people will immediately just like be able to do it too. And I think it could be very, very cathartic, very healing. Oh, absolutely. Very powerful for people. That's essentially, um, what Tantra is. Um, not in its entirety, but the power of Tantra, because if you do Tantric exercises, um, there was a beautiful. There is a beautiful woman. Her name is Anahata. Um, that that's her. That's her name that she goes by. But there's another name that she goes by. I can't remember her real name. She um, she has tantra uh, events in Toronto, mm-hmm. and some of them 
like the whole experience is experiencing like all plethora of emotion and parts of it are done blindfolded by yourself parts are done with partners and it's no sexual innuendos at all like you're not being touched inappropriately yeah um the the option is there (laughs) is there in some exercises but it's not like the top priority Yeah, yeah but a good chunk of it is like okay like feel anger and she just puts on this music that you know people are crying by the end of uh you um experiencing anger or like like feel free to jump up and down and this is this is what tantra is to experience your emotions to experience um explore every part of your 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 um your your range of of expression experience all of it and that that's what it is and um i can go into de- a little bit more detail but essentially when you said that that literally brought me back to uh tantra because that's what ex- the expression is and this those events were so releasing for people i knew i know people who were like bay street people like coming on like suits ties like suitcases just straight from work like coming in because it's so cathartic um people from political parties and I, I i didn't know who they were i started getting to know them they're like here's my business card i'm like oh you're you're part of x party that's awesome that's awesome that you're here releasing and sharing and building yourself and knowing what you're able to do and exploring your range of expression yeah that's important yeah so that's what Tom yeah says. and if you haven't heard of x party they're uh they're a really good cool new up-and-coming political party vote x party if cool. <laughs> next election is that what you did you no I'm just party? kidding no I'm just making it up oh, that's no not real party? that's not true at all what oh my god <laughs> I was just saying that because you said ex-party do you um, um, do you do you vote yeah that's that's like a huge huge topic we can I, I, I can definitely like I'll have you on again okay. for sure yeah like we obviously we can riff we can talk like, yeah, forever right, so like yeah. for sure I'll have you on again um but with what you actually were just saying, though, even the idea of, like, these guys on Bay Street that, like, they go to this event that they can let their anger out and it's really cathartic and, yeah. like, it's, like, a healing process. And just to add to that, it was one of, one of the exercises was deep, just deep panthing, right? And sometimes deep panthing can have this, again, sexual in, innuendo in it. But aside from that, like, what deep panthing is... Um, think of like an animal when they're like really really hot and it's hot hot outside and they're panthing when when do we get to do that you know what i mean like in a regular like do you see someone like on the desk no (laughs) no we don't pant because animals pant because that's how they they release and they cool down that's how they cool down yeah and we don't have hair so we (laughs) we just like it goes out we sweat out of our skin right animals don't sweat right right but what I meant was the pan thing was also like a form of expression. Yeah. Because, um, like, tuning our our breath work. There's different styles of breath that, um, you know, address certain things and also massage certain parts of our organs in different ways. Do you want to say something? No, I'm just like laughing because I'm just like. <laughs> picturing what you're saying you're like when do we ever just like sit around like panting like i'm just like picturing myself like sitting on the couch like watching a show on netflix just like <laughs> just like like yeah, like a dog yeah right <laughs> or something. yeah no and that's actually one of a very ancient practice that in yoga classes are are, are done it's yeah. called a goddess it's, it's no it's called um 
it's a it's a breath it's breath work that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different styles, and one of them is just this heavy, hot pan thing, and it 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 just recalibrates. You're recalibrating. You're allowing your body to experience a whole plethora of breath because what if you weren't breathing before as efficiently as your body could yeah. you're only taking half breaths and now experiencing this pan thing you're actually being it's being a release because you're not storing um said emotion um in your body but you're also recalibrating the way you're, you're breathing by executing another way that's not orthodox that it's unorthodox to your body yeah yeah do you know anything about holotropic breath work no, I haven't heard of it. I'm write it down though. Um, I don't know. I don't really know anything about it. I've just I've come across it uh, quite a number of times in sort of psychedelic circles. Okay. Um, but I was just asking because if you do know about it, I would be like, share more. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, tell me um, about it. Interesting. No, I I don't. But I feel like I know. I was a introduced by to into breath work by the ancient signs of yoga and i feel like somewhere along the way holotropic it, it's embedded within mm-hmm. i just don't know what the actual word holotropic means so. yeah i i've come across it in psychedelic circles because I, i'm pretty sure it's used as a breath work that can get you into a psychedelic state through breath work okay cool right so um but I think uh, this has been a good talk. Yeah, it's been a great talk. It's um, it's been great to have you on. This is the inaugural Woo! unapologetically human podcast. Yes. Um, we might be a little bit all over the place with the topics, but this is fine tuning. This is yeah. It out. This is part of the uh, the growth. Part of the process, and so. Where can people find you? What yes. are your what are your how do people connect with you? Yeah, so right now I have I'm working on a website, but you can definitely connect with me on Facebook and Instagram. I have I do have my uh, my page up and running on Facebook. It has weekly uh, uh, blog posts, not just weekly, and uh, I have my sessions there. I have I share Entrepreneur of the Week music from all around the world, and. Um, it is conscious productions so it, it's um, do you want me to spell it out yeah because it's yeah. A, not a traditional spelling no it's unorthodox so it's c-o-n-x c-i-o-u-s conscious with an x and production so p-r-o-d-u-x t-i-o-n-s perfect yeah and um, I noticed that in, in, in the bio it was the my saying of the company is follow thy dreams by any means necessary I might be changing that to summoning, uh, summoning your reality. So it's along the lines of that. So stay tuned. Cool, cool. Yeah. All right. And what's your, how do people find Instagram, you on Insta? Thank you for reminding me. So Instagram, it is um, N-U-N-U-S-V-Y-B-Z. So that's Nunu's Vibes. I don't currently have a Conscious Productions separate on its own just because my my brand is me and i wanted to build um build this platform first before it it grew to anything and i definitely see conscious productions having its own but for now that's where you can find me on instagram and on facebook great well i love that i think um for all of us whatever we're trying to create i think we're trying to create ourselves 
first and foremost. So you really are. You're the uh, you're the CEO of your life. You're the uh, the brand of your life. And I think for a lot of people, even <clears throat> in trying to create a business, your business extends from your personal brand. So exactly. So I love that. Thank you. I thank you so much. I I love it too. It's you can see definitely all the content that's on on Instagram is promoting the brand and it gives people a taste of what I do so I'm proud and honored to share that in in the way that I can with my soul tribe all around the world well thank you very much for sharing that on the podcast today and new new to sue yes we'll definitely be back yes yes so that is my poet name (laughs) yes Um, Yeah, so hopefully those of you that are listening, you enjoyed our meandering and got some some value out of some of the things that we were talking about. Hopefully you you learned some some interesting things that you didn't uh, know before. And it's it's only going to get better from here. Yeah, it keeps getting better. All right. Peace and blessings. Peace. Okay, so that's the end of the episode, and hopefully you guys enjoyed listening to that as much as I did getting to revisit that. Now, there's a couple things that I want to share with you here quickly. So, near the beginning of that episode when I was talking about some of the reasons why hemp is illegal and particularly the origins of the word marijuana being some like completely made up bullshit to demonize Mexicans and blacks when i was re-listening to this i was <laughs> i was thinking in my head like man i don't even know if any of that shit is true where i even fucking like came up with that i had mentioned i thought i had listened to joe rogan talking about that But I just had this sense of being like, I'm stating these things with such certainty that upon reflection, I'm like, I don't know if that shit's true. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. (laughs) So I went and looked up a couple articles to refresh my memory. And I just want to share a few quotes with you from... Some of us regular folks, representatives in high positions of power in government, uh, to give you an idea of just how fucking crazy people are and why the world is the way that it is in certain ways um, that's related to this. So there's this guy... Harry Anslinger, who apparently was one of the primary individuals responsible for creating the stigma around cannabis. So this guy was hired as the first director of the recently created Federal Bureau of Narcotics in 1930, and he launched a vigilant campaign against cannabis that would hold steady for the three decades he remained in office. 
And this is uh, some quotes from this guy. He apparently testified before Congress saying that marijuana is the most violent causing drug in the history of mankind. Most marijuana smokers are Negroes, Hispanics, Filipinos, and entertainers. Their satanic music, jazz and swing, result from marijuana usage. What a fucking idiot. <laughs> but these people aren't idiots, as I'll share with you in another quote at the end of this. But in another statement, this guy Anslinger says, Reefer makes darkies think they're as good as white men. The primary reason to outlaw marijuana is its effect on the degenerate races. Like, wow, okay, cool. So this guy's like, good guy, good guy. But it was largely due to this guy and his efforts with the new Bureau of Narcotics that many white Americans begin to treat cannabis and the people who were said to be using it mostly, mainly black people and Mexican immigrants, it made many white Americans treat cannabis as a foreign substance used to corrupt the minds and bodies of low-class individuals. Okay, so that guy, Harry Anslinger, fucking stand-up douchebag. But what I was saying about the reason that they're... A lot of these people in power, they're not fucking idiots. They know exactly what they're doing. One of the craziest fucking quotes I've ever heard in my life, and it relates to the Nixon's administration who started the war on drugs, is from this guy that was apparently his domestic policy advisor. So this guy, apparently, this reporter or this author in 1994 goes and interviews this guy, John Ehrlichman, the former domestic policy advisor for the Richard Nixon administration. And he's asking him all these questions, wondering about prohibition politics. And this guy snaps and gives him this like beauty gem of a quote, which gives you an amazing window into the psychology of certain people and to the human condition because we all have these parts inside of us we all have egos right but a lot of people in power are just fucking ego tripping psychos so this guy says talking about prohibition you want to know what this was really all about the Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. You understand what I'm saying? We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black, 
But by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. Like, what the fuck? Oh my god. So, these are the words of, and a peek into the minds of, the types of people that created the war on drugs and the real reasons that they did it. And this is something that we're going to explore a lot more on this podcast because we're still suffering the effects of these decisions every day. People's lives have been ruined and continue to be destroyed because of decisions like this. And each and every one of us I believe, has a responsibility in the world to do whatever we can to challenge the injustices created by those in power and to put people in power who actually deserve to be in power, who hopefully aren't fucking psychopaths. But we certainly have our work cut out on this. So until next time. It's about enlivening, sorry. Shit, what was the example I was just thinking of? And it's no sexual innuendos at all. Like you're not being touched inappropriately. Yeah. Um, The the option is there. (laughs) I had a conversation with um, um, a, a close friend and it was this whole experience. I should scratch that out. Do you have to get going soon? Mm, no. Okay. Do you mind if I stand up? No, go ahead. All right, thank you. I just need to... That, 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 uh... Yeah, you were saying? The stick when they're like, ah, say ah. Yeah, and so it holds the tongue now. Can I swear on this? Yeah. Okay. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm cool. pretty sure I've, I've dropped a few okay. expletives. <laughs> oh, yeah, every single episode of this will be explicit. Okay, cool. Pretty sure, because <laughs> cool. I have a potty mouth.